Michael Ajakwe, founder and executive director of the Los Angeles Web Series Festival, also known as LA Webfest, the first and largest web series festival on the planet. And you are listening to the LC and Jack Show with my man Cornbread. You are listening to the LC and Jack Radio Show, live from New York. And now, here are your hosts, LC and Jack. Welcome, welcome to the LC and Jack Radio Show with your man LC holding it down. Give us a shout here in the studio. You can reach us at area code 347-843-4738. Up close and personal, Urban Talk Radio. Our show this evening is being dedicated to Miss Sheila Smith. Sheila, may you rest in peace. What is the word, dear Bray? No stormy weather, stormy weather's above the Yankees are trying to win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yo, man, I just had to say that. You know what I'm saying? Yankees in the house, LC is in the house, Cornbread's in the house. That's <laughs> good. As as everybody knows, the Yankees are making a mad dash to the finish line to get the Eastern Division Championship wrapped up. So. You might already know the decision of that by the time you listen to this, but it's all good. Yes, sir. As you listen to us each and every week here on the Elsie and Jack radio show. So we thank you for tuning in every week. And uh, like we always say, we always have some great guests that, you know, pop on by and and show us mad love. And it's going to continue today as, um, you know, we have a... A individual that's making tremendous, tremendous strides in in his industry. So, without further ado, Brad, why don't we uh, jump right into it? How's that sound? Sounds good to me, man. All right, let's make it happen. All right. Our guest is a creator, writer, director, and producer. That's right. He's also a Emmy and NAACP award winner. Michael has written for many shows like Soul Food. Parkers, Moesha, Wow, Sister to Sister, and Martin, to name a few. Wow, that was that's a, that's a, a lot right there. That was a big list. That's all the shows I've seen. That's it, man. Mm, mm, mm. He currently is one of the producers of the hit series on TV One, Unsung. Wow, that's what's good. He also has a comedy series which is out. Called Who? Who? Yeah, Who? Who? Uh, who that? Who that? That's it. That's what's good. So we are, Brad, so happy to welcome to the show Mr. Michael Ajaki. Hello, Michael. How are you? 
I'm good, fellas. I'm good. Thank you for having me on your show today. All right, no, no problem. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. <laughs> that's that's what's good. So, um, yeah, I know you have uh, the Who on. Uh, why don't you tell? Can you tell the audience a little bit about the uh, the Who? Yeah, Who is an online series. There's a whole phenomena going on right now. People are making shows online. A lot of people are trained professionals like myself who aren't waiting for the studios to give us uh, the green light to do shows. We're doing our own shows mm-hmm. uh, in L.A., New York, other parts of the country, all over the world, actually. It's a worldwide movement. Uh, and they call it, right now it's called the web series, but it's basically short. It's like short-form programming, like a, a short... You know, it's it's not a TV show, it's not a film, it's not a commercial. Somewhere in, in the middle, between like a TV show and a and a commercial, they run about three minutes, six minutes, nine minutes, even as long as twelve minutes. That's like Titanic if it's twelve minutes. But um, it's just really cool, man. What's going on? And uh, I I have a, a festival called the LA Web Fest, the Los Angeles Web, Web Series Festival. That's all. That's what it's all about. And so I, you know, you don't you you really can't deal with this kind of. You really can't have a festival if you're not making shows or you're not watching them. So I created a show three years ago called Who, about two sisters who get together every day and talk about people. One girl has a job. The other girl's got money. She married a baller. And um, they just <laughs> hang out at her house. and uh, They get served like a lot, like, um, you know, they get served, uh, pampered, and they just talk smack mm. about, you know, people. We A lot of people that we know, they give their opinion. Mm. And um, so it's a 12-episode series. I shot it in my house in Sherman Oaks when I was living in Sherman Oaks. And, mm-hmm. uh and so now it's being adapted. I've converted it. I'm using my TV skills to adapt it into another medium, which is television. So nice. it's been it's been adapted for TV. So we're working on that right now. Okay, beautiful. So adaptation. Yeah, you're, you're looking to put that on one of the major networks. Yeah, right? yeah. We're going to get this on the air. We're going to get it on the air and show people that I want to show people that you can take a web series, a short form series, and make it into something else, a film, a TV show, a book. Just like you can, people take books. The Godfather was a best-selling book that became yep. a, uh, one of the greatest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And um, Saturday Night Fever was a magazine article that, that this guy, Paul Schrader, read uh, in The New Yorker, I believe, in 1975, and thought it was a, about the underground movement, dance movement called Disco. Mm-hmm. And from that article, from that magazine article, it became this film that we all know. Saturday Night Fever, wow. but wow. it's it was spawned from a magazine article, mm. and so uh, so many un, um, so many you know plays, like Death of a Salesman, or yep. a play, the Odd Couple was a, was a play. It was a play yeah. that Neil yes, Simon wrote that. that became a hit movie, that became a hit TV show. That thing hit on theater on Broadway. It hit in the movies and it hit on television. Yeah, I mean it's from one source. So the these, these short form or web series as they call them. Same potential, man. It's there. In fact, if you look in the paper yesterday, there was a big announcement. ABC announced that they just picked up two new shows by Shonda Rhimes, the sister who created Grey's Anatomy. She created Private Practice. She created Scandal. She um, she found she saw this web series on television uh, on on the web called The Misadventures of Awkward Black Girl by mm-hmm. a young lady named Issa Rae, uh, by the sister basically, you know, who doesn't I guess look the way America expects her to look. Right. standard of beauty that we have, and she kind of mm-hmm. made this incredible web series, got millions of views, and now she has a deal at ABC, a major network, to write and produce a brand new series, but it all came from her own effort, from her, if she doesn't do that web series, if she doesn't do her own show, we will not know who she is, she'll just be another actress out there, another wow. obscure creator, But so this thing is powerful, man, it's it's powerful. Mm. So, so you yeah, I see. the The web is the power for you to at least to make the noise, 
so he could tell, show these executives, whether they're in New York, L.A., hey, I have the skills to make you money and to make me money too. But yeah, especially for someone who has like a lot of these people. What I've discovered from my festival gentlemen is that a lot of people they went to school for filmmaking they have degrees in this they know how to do this but they couldn't get work they couldn't find a job because the business is so incestuous really hard to break into hollywood unless you know someone or do an internship or something like that to get in you know to kind of Mm -hmm. get that edge and so they wind up taking regular jobs day jobs and then so let's say the person works in the bank or the person works at a car dealership okay that's his job but that's not who he is Right. Who he is is right. a filmmaker. He's the, he's the filmmaker right. that they couldn't mm-hmm. get a job as a director or a producer or as a writer. He just took what was ne- what was necessary to pay his bills, and pretty yes. soon that became his career. And so what the web series is doing with the because of the uh, low cost of cameras, the cost of making shows has gone down. Cameras have gone down. Final Cut Pro. I mean, you can go for four hundred dollars, you can get a whole editing system put in your house and edit mm-hmm. on your laptop. That's right. Because of that, because of things like blog talk radios, things that used to be inaccessible. To the average person, even if they had the skill, it was inaccessible because you didn't have the money or the means or you didn't know someone at a radio station. Can You can now do just like how you have your show. And That's you can right. have a voice and you can get your your point of view out there and someone might hear it in another medium in, in uh, terrestrial radio or television and say, hey, man, we like your voice. We want to bring you over here. And... Uh, and, and, and then a new star is born, that kind of thing. So I think it's, I think it's amazing. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. A lot of people they try to denigrate and put down people who are doing, who are doing maybe blog talk or doing web series and stuff like that. They try to denigrate them because they just they don't want the competition. I find exactly. it's not that people they don't want the competition because they're used to it being an all exclusive exclusive club well, where only mm-hmm. they get the right to do it. So this is a wonderful time we're living in, man. It's a great time. It is. You're right. You bring up some great points. Wow. I mean, I, I just find that uh, you know we uh, you know we actually when we when we started this show some uh, three years ago we we started on the radio, but the medium was such that most of the, it was internet everybody was tapping in was from all over. I'm like man, uh, why am I trying to stay local? So decided to go international, and it's right. been great. And the response from professionals like you is great. You know it's like yeah man we I love what you're doing. You're getting the information out to the masses, and that, that's the name of the game is to educate your audience, keep them informed, and they tune in every week. So we love them. Yes, sir. We love them. No, that's yeah. great. No, definitely. That's the way to go, and you know, to not have someone else tell you what you can and can't do. Right. Let the people tell you. Let the people are your ultimate judge. If, you know, if all these people are, tune, are turned on and tuned into what you're doing, and these people over here may not get it, well, that's their problem because the people get it. That's yeah, right. If the people get it, that's all you. That's all. That's all counts. Yeah, we get right. immediate feedback on everything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. On everything. It's unbelievable, man. Like you said, the power of the net. Some, it's just unlimitless on what you can do, and like you said, the cost of everything has come down. So the technologies just move so rapidly. Yes, ra- very rapidly. It's just amazing. It's really incredible. Um, we're living in an amazing time. It's like every year, literally every year, something new develops that comes out that didn't exist, you know, before. I mean, it's just, it's just, you get, people are getting new phones every, you know, every year. <laughs> they buy a new phone. 
You know? <laughs> well, Apple wants you to keep buying a baby. <laughs> Look, exactly. Sneakers and the phones are running head to head. Exactly. Look, I haven't bought a pair of sneakers since '89, so I'm far behind on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I still don't get the thing. People that buy phones, I'm, I'm shocked. I really am stunned. I think it's brilliant marketing how they've convinced people that they need a new phone every year. Uh, yeah, they, it they is. Convince, and now they're doing it with iPads. They said, well, i got to yep. get the new iPad. So they yeah. get the old one. Yeah. And people don't even think about it. They just really buy into this whole thing that I need to get the latest. And I think it's mm-hmm. so crazy. Mm-hmm. I think Good I still job, got BlackBerry. Man. I got my BlackBerry from two years ago. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with it. it There's nothing wrong with it. It does the same yeah. thing that everything else. So come on now. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we ain't gonna oh. talk about my Lil Z. Oh, Brez goes back about you know two generations. Yeah, I got the razor oh phone, god. Mike. <laughs> oh my god, that's a, yeah. Got I got the razor. I can save in the club. But soon, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but but, but it's great to hear uh, from you that you know a lot of, uh, especially people of color, are getting an opportunity because. They just basically saw the vision, and it's there. The audience is there, and, you know, basically it's like, yo, if ABC don't want me, you know, Fox wants me, or CBS is going to get me. You know, so it's really great to hear that. because we're so or, the web, or the web wants me. Hey, the web wants right. me. Right. I'll, I'll be happy with that, and, mm-hmm. and I'll just build from there, you know, and just keep growing. People, some people, like some writers I know, they're, they're, they, they're television writers, and if you if, – uh, they can't write unless they're doing television or they're getting paid to write. They don't. Whereas you know, you don't start off writing for a check. You start writing because you love the the work. And some people get consumed and get caught up, and they kind of lose that passion. It only becomes about making money. Right. And um, for me, at least, it's not just about that. I mean, I've been blessed to be able to make money as a writer. But I was writing the same money they're paying me. I was doing the same stuff for nothing for years yeah. before I started doing it. And so it's that. Um, I think it's a a wonderful thing to have more opportunity because that's something, especially for people of color, that we often lack is opportunities, you know. You yep. think somebody is not good at something, but they've never had a chance. Or you think all oh, these people over here, it's almost like baseball. Baseball is my prime example. Here's a sport that for how many years, 50 years, said these are the best guys on the field. These are the best guys mm-hmm. in the world. But they didn't let a, a good part of the population, blacks and Latinos and Asians, weren't even allowed to play. So how how can Babe Ruth... And Lou Gehrig, as much as I'm, those guys were great. No, no, not taking nothing away from them, but they, you can't say they played against the best because Definitely. there was a whole group of guys, the Negro League players, who they never played against. And when they did play those guys in the off season, when they were barnstormed, they get their butts whooped. Mm-hmm. Those guys would get their butts whooped by their brothers. So, but we, uh, but we, but uh, that's an example of where people were qualified, but they were denied opportunity. And so the history book shows that these other guys are the, guy, the best guys, but they weren't the best guys. I don't think any of those records should count. Uh, if they call, talk about steroids, they shouldn't count any of those records until 1947 mm-hmm. when they had blacks playing in, in the league. They exactly. should count all the records because all the records before that are tainted as well. Exactly. None of those records because those records are – so it's all about people trying to keep other people out so they can have the advantage. Mm-hmm. And so this is a medium. The web uh, is fantastic to me. Even though I work in traditional TV and film, I think it's great because you re- I, the best people I've ever seen, the most talented – Writers and producers and directors and actors, the most talented writers, producers, and directors I've ever seen are people working on the web. They're incredible. They're amazing. 
Wow, they're amazing. That's a big statement right there. Yeah, they're humble yeah, but too. See, I watch all these shows. I watch all these shows from all over the world. I watch shows from all over the country. I watch every episode. I have a whole team that watches, but I watch everything. Nobody wants to watch everything, but I watch everything, and I'm amazed. I just watched a show last night. I, this show is incredible. I've never heard of this filmmaker. He's not a regular name, but his show is incredible. It's like The Sopranos meets The, the Wire, and it's a wonderful show. And I'm like, who is this guy? This guy's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, so I'm saying there's a lot of people out there. But, see, what what Hollywood says, Hollywood has a – I've talked to some executives, and they say this. They say, for example, with with actors or writers, they say, well, if you're good, we'll find you. That's what they really they say. So that means that if that means <laughs> if you're good, don't worry. If you're good, we'll find you. Mm. The problem is they don't look everywhere. How can you find somebody when you don't right. look in all the places where people are? Right. How can you really find everybody? You just gonna find you find where you look. It's not like you know you hear those times when they had scouts like for music. They'd have guys going to hole in the walls and they'd have people going all over the place just trying to find that talent. Mm-hmm. Now these guys they don't want to go to small theaters. No. A lot of them they turn their nose up at web series. They think it's they they have this. Uh, they have this archaic view that it's a bunch of amateurs working on. They don't know that most ninety percent of these people are professionals. They have degrees in this stuff. They or they do it for a living, like me. Uh, but they just assume that because there's no there's not as much money in it, um, that it can't be. You know, real pros can't be really into this, and so they have that TV mindset, and so they're missing out. So it's um, so you know whenever they say that, I say, how can you? Say you'll find the best when you don't when you don't, you don't look everywhere. You can't find if you don't look, you can't find. That's right. like a woman that says a man that says a woman says all men are dogs. Well, how do you know? Have you dated all men? <laughs> As opposed to just those the guys that you've dated. Why don't you why don't you say the guys that you've dated are dogs? You know. Thank you, thank you. And set, but they'll try to you know because it's easier to just categorize and just blanket. And that's what Hollywood does. And they figure if we don't know you, you're nothing. And then somebody will come out with a show or something. And and they'll have these amazing actors and writers or whatever, and the people, wow, where, oh my God, where'd that come from? You know, because they weren't looking. You know, so I always see it as an opportunity. The, the business is blind, and people have a tendency to just go with what's popular. If you make a movie with Eddie Murphy or Will Smith or or uh, Meryl Streep, well, no one's going to get mad at you because hey, that's a big star. You're, you know, that movie was supposed to do well. Right. So, but if you make a movie with an unknown person who's who's good mm-hmm. and it doesn't do well, they're going to say, well, how how'd you do that movie with that guy? He wasn't a star, you know. Mm-hmm. So everybody's running scared. There's a lot of scared rabbits in this town. They're just running around scared. They don't know. They, I found that most of them don't know any better than the average Joe. They just have that job. Yeah. And um, they they mainly play it close to the vest, and they're always looking for reasons to say no. Always. Look, And then somebody else will take a chance. Look at Tyler Perry's a good example. Someone else will do it, hit with it, and then the same people that said no will be running to that person of that thing or copying that thing and trying to copy it, you know. But he's a great example, you know, because uh, a lot of people don't know that um, Tyler Perry, his show was originally at Fox. Fox had Tyler Perry, House of Pain, and mm-hmm. they didn't. They wanted to change the show. They didn't like the show. They wanted to redo it. He said no. He wasn't. He said no. This is the show I want to do. Right. And so they said, well, we don't want to do that show. So he left, took it, gave him back their option money, and took it, went to Atlanta, mm-hmm. and did it his way. And yeah. of course, his way was successful. And then when it was time for syndication, guess who syndicated the show? Fox. <laughs> the same people that said Fox. this show ain't no good. That's right. Can't work. The same people that told him this isn't good enough are the same people that syndicated the show. My network wow. TV. They wow. were the first one. It's owned by Fox. Just to go to show you, these people have no shame. If you go prove them wrong and come back, right. whatever. 
They're gonna say people that told you exactly. They'll be they'll be smiling on your face, <laughs> taking you to lunch, and telling you how great you are. The same people that told you you wouldn't that you this ain't gonna work. Maybe looking for the dollar dollar bill. Yeah, <laughs> that big time, big time. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, how did you how did you might get involved with with writing? How, was that how did that all come to? Man, I've been writing since I was a kid, guy. I've been writing since I was a little kid, uh, but I didn't take it seriously until I was about. Uh, about 12 years old, I had a mentor. I grew up in, in L.A., right next to Inglewood, and I had a friend, childhood friend of mine that lived. He was my best friend's next-door neighbor. They lived a few blocks away. Mm-hmm. He was trying to be an actor, and he he was older than me, and he would read my stuff. I would, he would read stuff. I would, you know, write stories. He would. He's the first one that said, hey, you can make a living doing this. I was like 13 years old, and he would read my stuff, give me notes. He was kind of my first mentor. His name is, uh, he, and, he, and he, he, his acting career kept thriving. I noticed every year he kept making progress. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's funny how when you're a kid, you watch somebody else do something. Maybe you have a dream, but you don't know it's possible. But then you see somebody else doing their dream, and their dream makes you feel that maybe your dream is possible. Yes, sir. Because I didn't, I didn't think of writing. I started writing. I don't know anybody that's a writer. writing. Writing was nobody in the hood was writing. You know, I was like, what's that? Mm-hmm. You know, and, <laughs> but uh, they're writing. They're writing hip-hop rhymes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, this is before, hip, this is before <laughs> hip-hop. They weren't, even, they, they weren't even writing that. Maybe love song. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Slow down. So, but seeing this guy succeed, it really, every time I looked up and saw him doing something, it inspired me, and it made me feel like maybe I could do it because he's doing it. And eventually, the ultimate for him was when I, I had a date, uh, this girl I dated for a long time. I, I took our first date, we went to the movies and saw this movie called Forrest Gump. Mm. And um, we watched the movie, thought it was great. And when the movie was over, I saw the credits. And I saw that my childhood friend, he was in the movie. Wow. I had no idea he was in I didn't even recognize him because he was the one playing Bubba Gump. Wow. He was uh, Michael T. Williamson is his name. He's a, a okay. dear friend of mine. He's like a big brother to me. He's a kid. Yes, and um, So seeing him succeed made me feel I could do it. And he could do it, even though he's acting, I'm writing. And so I kept pursuing it. I pursued writing in school. I was an English major uh, with a writing emphasis, and I was also a political science major. And I was going to go to law school. That was my fallback. That was my main thing. And then I did an internship. I was very lucky. Um, at my school where I went, the University of Redlands, that school, a uh, couple of writers, the guy that wrote Beverly Hills Cop went to that school. The, the guys that created the show Cheers, these two brothers named Glenn and Les Charles, they went to the school. And so did a guy named David Lee who created the show Wings, and he created the show Frasier. He went to that school. They were way before me. and so But they let me intern and observe on their show, on the Cheers, when it was in its heyday in the, in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And that experience of spending, uh, it was supposed to be one month, and it turned out to be, uh, I stayed the whole season. I was driving from Redlands, which is near near uh, Palm Springs, way out in Redlands, to L.A., Hollywood, every three days a week, two to three days a week, 90 miles each way, for mm-hmm. free. Uh, from a month to se- I did it for seven months. And I'd stayed the whole season, and it was such an eye-opening experience. I had no idea that they paid people to write scripts. I thought actors were write, making up lines themselves. I didn't really, <laughs> I thought an actor, an actor was smart. He, he came up with That's that at the right man. time. And so it was an eye-opening, and uh, I remember saying, I'd like to do this. You know, I want to do this as well as write movies, but I want to do this kind of writing. And um, and so that was the beginning for me, and just, you know, I got a job in the industry. I worked for Entertainment Tonight was my first paid gig in, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I was a runner. I was a gopher, basically. I worked at night, graveyard. I was a supervisor, actually, the night operations supervisor. That was my title. The only problem was I was the only one that worked at night, so I was supervising myself. <laughs> I, <had none. laughs> I didn't have any. I had no, um, 
I had nobody to boss around, man. I was bossing myself. Yeah. And so I did that and um and that led to but I was still pursuing my you know, my, my passion writing T V and movies and eventually I became a producer at Entertainment Tonight. Within about a year and a half I was a produ- I was producing stuff for them. And then within two years of being there is I was, yeah, about two years after, two and a half years, they, I was a producer about two and a half years, and I thought I was old. I thought, I was, oh, this is taking forever. You know, when you're young, you think it's <laughs> yeah. a year is like five years, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was, but I was very, when I look back now, I was very young. I was, I was uh, when they made me a producer, I was 24 years old. Wow. And uh, I, was a, I was the only African-American producer they had at that time. No, that's not, I had another producer, an older sister who worked there. But I was the first one that came homegrown, that came through the bottom. Yeah. Like and came up at Entertainment Night, and uh, and just around that time I was doing that, I uh, they started a new company called E Entertainment Television. It was just starting, and so I went over to E mm-hmm. and started working with them, and did that for uh, I was there for five years. I worked on a show called Talk Soup, oh, and um, with Greg Kinnear. You remember when Greg? Yeah. Was oh man, I used to love watching that man. That was yeah, so I worked. Good. I was there in that whole time. Yeah. I was there during that whole time. Mm. Um, and so I did that all the while I was writing. So I was a producer there. That's where the Emmy came in. We, My last year working there, um, we won an Emmy. Uh, and it was amazing. It was just a surreal experience. And, um, um, and, um, and then two weeks after I won the Emmy, I finally, you know, I've been trying to write on the show for... I've been pursuing this for eight years. I graduated in 87. It's 1995. I have been pursuing screenwriting, TV writing. You know, even though I was working in the business, I was a producer. I just won an Emmy, all these things. But my heart, I still wanted to do that thing that I saw what they did on Cheers. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to be one of those guys. And so two weeks after I won the Emmy, you know how it's funny how like, your life can be a shutout. Like, nothing's happening for you, man. It looks so bleak. It's like it's raining every day. And then right. something good happens for you. And then it's mm-hmm. like, once something good happens, it's like, that's like rain, too. You start getting more good things happening. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, I, I two weeks later, I got a job as a writer on the show Martin, the classic sitcom Martin. Yep. Um, and that was a life changer. That was a game changer. Um, that was a game changer for me. Uh, it would just change my whole life. And, uh, I worked on that show. It's the best job I ever had. Wow. We had so much fun. Yeah, I was I there for the last. A lot of a lot of good shows. Yeah, that was the best. Why was that the best show? That was the best because Martin Lawrence was in charge of that show. Martin Lawrence was like a general. He was an actor and a star, but he really looked out, man. He looked out for his his cast and crew. He looked out for brothers, man. He looked out for the brothers. I'm not gonna lie. He really he had me and Martin are the same age, but Martin Lawrence he showed so much courage, man. Because, you know, it's real easy. Some of these other stars will have a show, and they'll let people do whatever they want. Mm, and right. they'll let, they're not aware of who's moving up. They're not aware of who's... Remember we started this conversation by talking about opportunity. Yes. And the Martin Lawrence show was a show where if you worked hard and you were good at what you did, you would get the opportunity to shine and to do things. And that's where Martin, I mean, he had eventually, one of his boys that he came up with, it was a comedian, Bentley Evans, started off there as a writer. Yes, and yes. in three years, he was a showrunner. He was running the show. He was the executive producer. There were other... African American producers and and it, we were everywhere, man. He he was he made sure that black people who were qualified got the shot. Wow. And it was the, it's the first and probably the only job I've ever had. Probably that was the first job 
because Eve was also a special experience because a very close friend of mine created that show. But working on Martin, I don't, I don't know, you know, working on Martin for me, it was the first time I worked on a show and I felt free. Like wow. I felt like I could relax because I've never felt, there are very few jobs where you feel like you can relax because you feel like someone's watching you or someone has yeah. an agenda or there's yeah. other stuff happening that nobody's, the unspoken, you know, and I think we all know what that means, especially if you work in yeah. corporate America. Yeah. Everybody's always, you're always being watched. Mm-hmm. And Martin was being watched too, but it was different. It's like you could relax and and just enjoy. You know, I didn't realize the kind of stress that black people are on in, in the workforce, especially black men, until I worked on that show where I could just be myself and relax. And it was okay to be a black man and yeah, have sure. and, and be strong at the company. It was all right. No, there's nothing wrong with it. Whereas other companies are weird about that. Other, I don't care what they say, they are weird about that. You'll see some companies, you'll go in some companies, man, they'll claim to be so liberal, you will not see a brother on the floor. If no. I go to a company and I don't see a brother on the floor, if I don't see a black man on the floor, you got issues with brothers. I don't care what yeah. you say. Yeah. If there's 20 people on the floor and none of them are brothers, that's probably yeah. a pro- you got a problem with brothers. Yeah. You might have some sisters, okay, but where the brothers at? Yeah. <laughs> where the brothers that's at? So true. Right? So if a true. white man walks into a company and sees 50 people and he don't see nobody that looks like him, he's going to wonder, do these people not like white people? Wow. Do they have something with white Do they have a problem with white people? Or uh, a Latino might come and say, where are the Latinos? Right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fair question, especially in today and especially in Los Angeles. Yeah. So Martin was a special place because it was okay to be black and just be yourself and be free. And uh, I had a great time, man, and the show was funny. And I got so much support from Bentley and the other writers. They were so supportive of you know, here this young kid. You know, I'm just, I'm just getting started, man. But it was like, it was the perfect place for me. Mar- the yeah. Martin Show was the perfect place for someone who'd been through, who'd been through, what I've been through to get there. It was perfect. I can't think of a better, a better situation. Wow, awesome, so, awesome. So would you say that Martin was kind of, or the writers would, was more your, you had your early mentor, right? That kind of said you can make this happen. But somebody, was there someone that you'd be like? Listen, I just thought a name. I mean, he's an actor, but cause I don't know really a big, big, big time producer bot that you may go. But you know, I'm a James Earl Jones fan. Somebody like a legend. Was there someone that you said, "Oh, I, I gotta, I want to be like him in the business"? Yes, my hero. The I have several. Michael T. Williamson, first and foremost, was my. I didn't realize it because I was a kid. I was 12. I didn't realize he was mentoring me, but Michael T. Williamson, I can say right now, if not for Michael T. Williamson, I wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Wow. Because I was a little black kid growing up in the hood. I wanted to be a baseball player. I wanted to be a tennis player at one point. I want, The last thing I wanted to be was a writer. That was a square. That was boring. Them guys mm-hmm. were boring, man. Who wants to be a writer? Mm-hmm. And Michael T. is the one that said you can be anything you want to be. Hey, there's, writing is a career. There are people in Hollywood that do well. They become directors, et cetera. And he's the one that showed me that it's possible. He was the first one. And then my other one was um, when I was in college, um, Bruce McAllister, my writing professor, he's a, science, he's a sci-fi writer. His name is Bruce McAllister. He's the best writer I know, best writer I've ever known. And he, wow. he's the one that said, okay, if you want to do this for a living, I'll take you seriously, but you're going to have to work. And so even though I was talented coming in, mm-hmm. he's the one that he really, man, put me, <laughs> this guy put me in, uh, on the, through the obstacle course of what it tasted. Because he'd been published since he was 15 years old. And he was—he um, really put me on a, on a publishing on, on the uh, on the, the after course needed to basically be professional, and um, so that was Bruce was a, he's still a mentor of mine to this day. Bruce is major. He prepared me. He's the one that got me professional. If anybody, he's the one that helped me become a professional. Uh, the internships helped. 
uh, Jim Brown. Jim Brown is an old friend of mine. We used to be good friends. I did a story on the great Jim Brown really? when I worked for entertainment. Yeah, I did Former a story. Former the show. Pat him on. Yeah, I love Jim. Jim, Jim is, is great. A, oh, man, Jim is the wisest man. Uh, he and my dad are the wisest human beings I've ever known. Um, Jim is... Um, just a special guy, man. I met him. I did a story, uh, one of the first story I ever did for Entertainment Tonight. It was called Life After Football. And I profiled athletes after they, their playing careers were over. And Jim was one of the guys I profiled. Jim Brown, O.J. Simpson, John Matuzak. O.J. Simpson, when it was okay to, 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 to do that, when it was cool, before the problem started. <laughs> okay. Uh, before, <laughs> John Matuzak. Um, John Matuzak before he passed away, Dick Buckus. Mm-hmm. And so I got to know Jim a little bit. Then I did more stories on Jim. I did, In fact, his program, Amir I Can, I did the first national story on that when it was called Vital Issues. Before it was called Amir I Can, it was called Vital Issues. And I'm the, I'm the producer who did uh, who exposed it on a national level when, when no one knew about it. And I did this mm-hmm. big story. I, I took me and Jim, Reggie Jackson, Fred Dreyer, uh, wow. James Kahn, uh, we went. Uh, Kellen Winslow, the original Kellen Winslow. We mm-hmm. all got in a van and we went to the prison in Chino, in Frontera, and we spent a whole day with these women in this prison. And um, that was the first national story ever done on the program. That is now called American. Mm-hmm. And so Jim, I, I spent many time, many many evenings at Jim's home. I, I sat by the pool, just talked to Jim, listened to Jim. I mean, Jim is one of the most amazing. Cats I've ever known, man. I mean, you talk about. I'll be talking to Jim about history. I said, Yeah, Jim. You know, you know, Malcolm said. You know, JFK says, mm-hmm. and he'll say, I'll say, MLK says, he'll say, well, let me tell you what uh, Malcolm told me. <laughs> let me tell you what uh, Kennedy told me. Let me uh, tell you what LBJ told He'll He'll tell you what the guy the guy you reading about, Jim knew those guys, as we yeah, know. Yeah. I mean, this guy has walked with kings, man. It's just, it's, yeah. He's an incredible person. Yeah, and he yeah. used to tell me, what's amazing about Jim, Jim told me things back then, way back then, that I didn't understand. He would talk about the black athlete and how you said they're 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 gladiators. They're they're just million. They're, that that Mar shot was right when she said they were million dollar niggas. They were million dollar mm-hmm. slaves because she said that was true. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to he was breaking it down to me, but I didn't I couldn't comprehend because I was young. But as time has gone over the last twenty years, I, everything Jim told me is so true, and the whole consciousness about the, that you can give all these guys millions and millions, and they'll just give it back if they don't have any kind of consciousness. And yeah. they're not thinking. I mean, he's such a deep brother. Man. I mean, he's one of my – Jim Brown is one of my heroes, man. But my biggest hero, my career-wise, my, my hero is Quincy Jones. He is who I've had in my career after. Okay. Because Quincy Jones has done it all. He's done it all for 62 years. His, this brother – Quincy Jones has been rolling for 60 years, man. 62 wow. years, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. He's been rolling since he was 13 years old, 14. Mm-hmm. He produced his first record when he was 15. He's been with Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Lionel Hampton. Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, Sarah Vaughn, Michael Jackson, all the big, the biggest acts of the last 60 years, man. Quincy has worked with them. Uh, what's the guy? That, Charlie Parker. I mean, he, all mm-hmm. these guys, man. He's incredible. He's been a producer. He's an arranger, a songwriter, a big band leader. An, I mean, he, the, guy, the guys are just incredible. And yeah. um, I'm reading one of his books again right now. But he's. A, I like the fact that he's not allowed. To, I think his longevity, he says it too. Comes from the fact that you can't pigeonhole Quincy. He, he, you can't. You, he's been a TV producer, a film producer. I mean, this guy's done everything. Yeah. Broadway producer. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he hasn't allowed the industry to limit his vision and what he wants to do. And that's how I feel about myself. I don't. I'm not. I'm a, I'm a writer at my core, 
I, I'm always be a writer first, but I'm, I also produce television. I do documentaries like Unsung, which is a different for me. Unsung Entertainment News. I've written press releases for newspapers. I've been a newspaper writer. I've been a sports writer. I've been a, a PR writer, you know, web writer, screenwriter. So those kind of things where you learn the new skill and you, you know, you just kind of adapt to it, and you never you don't you don't limit yourself. And which I don't like to be limited. I don't like people limiting me because of the color of my skin, or because you know and that kind of stuff. Um, and so Quincy's the same way. And I man, he's my hero. Quincy Jones is my hero, dude. Oh, definitely. I, yeah, that's that's just great. I, hey, Brad, that, that's somebody next. We got to get on the show. Yes, sir. He's we just, we, we just good guy. We probably get him too, man. Quincy Jones is a good guy. I've, I've had the pleasure. I've interviewed him twice. I interviewed him once at his office. When I was at Entertainment Tonight, and I interviewed Quincy Jones at his home in Bellet when he was living in Bellet. I don't know if he's still there, but he was a very nice man, and he he's the kind of guy that he will always talk to you. He's not he he will always make time to speak, especially a brother. He don't he don't see a brother and run. You know some of these cats <laughs> they see a brother, they come. see somebody look like them and they run the other way. Right. I hope they ain't related. <laughs> yeah. Quincy's not Quincy will run to you. Yeah. But it all stems from how he was raised. It all mm-hmm. stems from how he was brought up. And at other people, he talks about how Duke Ellington and Lionel Hampton, all those older guys who were legends when he was playing with them, how those guys embraced They didn't run from him or shun him. And he was a kid. He was 15. Mm-hmm. They embraced him. He said because of how they treated him, he treats brothers the same. He sees a young guy. He, he'll bring him in. It's supposed to push him away. And mm-hmm. he'll, he'll talk. He'll, he'll give him some pearls of wisdom because those guys did it for him. And that's great to hear. I mean, unfortunately, you hear a lot of the negative, like you were saying, but it's great to hear that through your experiences, you know, uh, Martin Lawrence, which uh, I've done some stuff with him on on a side note. He was great. uh, Great brother. Yeah, so it's really great to hear that we're helping each other, pulling each other up, and not saying, hey. We have to, Larry. We have to, man. This is an industry. The whole business is based on people helping each other. Granted, you got to be good at what you got to be competent. Right. Because if you ain't competent, nobody wants to be around a fool or someone mm-hmm. who's trying to get something for nothing, who's trying to get over. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't play that with people who aren't serious about what they're doing. But if you find somebody that's good at what they do, that looks like you especially, yeah, help them. I mean, I'm, I help somebody white too. If you see somebody that's Asian, or, right. I think if it's male, female, I mean, help them. But especially we have to help um our own as well because that's what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. And you can't come up. You can't come up if you're not helping your own because you don't have no legs. I mean, if you come up and don't help anybody, especially helping your own, then when you get weak, as we all do, mm-hmm. when you start coming down, there'll be no one to hold you up because you didn't help anybody. You didn't bring anybody up. So there's nobody, there's no foundation, there's no legs keeping you. Okay, here, Mike, we're going to keep you up. Oh, Mike fell a little bit. Okay, somebody grab him. Okay, here, let's put him over here until he gets better, until he gets stronger. That's mm-hmm. that's how a Clive Davis who I've interviewed twice. That's how he he's been around so long, and so many of these studio executives, Sidney Scheinberg and Lou Wasserman, those guys that were around who helped Spielberg and George Lucas and and Francis Ford Coppola, you know mm-hmm. Bob Evans, who who has a deal at uh, who has an office at Paramount for life. People that helped those guys, who those guys became giants, and those guys remembered. Hey, this guy looked out for me. Let me look out for him in his golden his golden years. Yes, sir. So it's yes, sir. important. It's important, and there's, unfortunately, there's a lot. There's some brothers that don't do that. They become very, they have their shot, man, and they're so scared. They don't want to see another black person near them because they think that that person is going to, hey, the the people in charge might look at this person and see something in them that's not, and oh, they might they might 
make him the new brother. I want to be the only guy. Yeah. And um, that's unfortunate, man, because um, you are, we are always stronger together than we are as individuals. Right. right. That's right. Divided to fall. If you're just tuning in, we're listening to the man that does it all. I don't want to pigeonhole him because he doesn't pigeonhole himself, director. <laughs> I mean, I'll say he's an actor, uh, producer. He does it all, Mr. Michael Ajaqui, uh on L.C. and Jack's show. You have mentioned Clive Davis, and I know, you know, just to segue a little bit, that uh, you did interview him on, I believe, Unsung, because I believe I saw, I want to say, Ray Parker Jr. episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, what has been your experience with Clive? Because he, he's been involved with a lot of big acts over the years. Any experience? Clive Davis pack? is a great is a great man. He's uh, I mean, he's a, again he's on that Quincy Jones level. Mm-hmm. He and Quincy are probably and Barry Gordy are probably the greatest living music guys today. I mean I mean. Um, they're the biggest guys, those three guys, and they're all in their – Barry Gordy's, what, 81, 82. Clive is, like, almost 80. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quincy is 79 years old. These guys have seen it all. You can't show them nothing. Mm-hmm. Clive <laughs> Davis, uh, great man. I had, I've had i interviewed him twice. I interviewed him for the Ray Parker Jr. He's the one who gave Ray Parker his first um, yeah. recording contract. And that was then a great job, by the way, my brother, on uh on Thank you. Ray is another. Ray is another. As you saw, Ray's a great guy, and I, you become a friend. And um, what an inspiring story Ray, Ray Parker Jr. had. Wow, I mean, it was self-made guy. Away. Oh, it's amazing. People had no idea what Ray, Ray had done. Ray's a. He has an amazing, amazing. Story. And, he, and he's a nice guy. Ray's a really great guy. So, um, but those, but Clive, and but it's, what's amazing is Clive Davis gave Ray Parker his first contract. He also gave Sly Stone his first contract. Mm. So that's twelve years apart. But he hooked up both of them. And I mean, he's given Bruce, he's discovered Bruce, Bruce Springsteen singing in a club, in a wow. little small club, mm-hmm. and um, so like, many acts, me. man. Air yeah, Supply yeah. and <laughs> me and, oh. and and uh, Whitney Houston, of course, is his biggest discovery. Um, but he's Tony Braxton, Alicia Keys, mm. um, Usher. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't discriminate. He he just good music to him is good music across, but doesn't matter. He gave. He's the one that set up Ellie and Babyface with their first deal when they yeah. had the face records. That was through Arista. Right. He mm-hmm. set up Puffy. When Puffy left. Right. Andre Harrell mm-hmm. went to got to form Bad Boy. Bad Boy was on J Records. That was his label. Mm-hmm. I mean, Clive Davis. He knows good music. He knows good people. He's a. He invests in people. Right. I think even more so than record. Like some person, somebody might invest in a record. Clive Davis. Quincy's the same way. And Barry Gordy was the same way. They invest in a person. Mm-hmm. They invest in a person. And and their and their talent and he um I I didn't know him I wrote him a letter and I sent a picture that Ray Parker gave me that was used to when Ray when Ray signed with him right and he he responded within two days and said I'd love to talk to you I'll talk to you to his, his assistant his wonderful assistant Mar- Mar- Mariella he's got two beautiful assistants in Deshaun mm-hmm. and um man he, he he's on the he's on at Sony headquarters in New York he is on the thirty there's thirty five floors in that building luxurious building Clive Davis is on the thirty fifth floor. And there is no one else on that floor but him. Wow. <laughs> talking about power. Talk I'm about talking power. like 6,000 square feet. Wow. There's oh, the dining club is there. The dining club, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, if you belong to the Sony dining club, like mm. Jay-Z and Beyonce, they might go up there. And the, yeah. he had, the dining club is on that floor, but there are no other offices, nothing. No one else is up there but him. Oh, wow. Just him. 
He's got a 360 view of uh, of New York. Wow, that's unbelievable. Man. It's incredible, man. But he is such a nice man. First time I interviewed, I was I, I had 30 minutes to talk to him. I flew all the way from L.A. 30 minutes, and then they told me he's gonna leave and in uh, after the first 10 minutes, if it's going well, he'll come back. If it's right. not going well, he will not come back. Wow. So I interviewed him. Just as she said, 10, 12 minutes into the interview, he said, oh, i got to go take a call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, had to, I, I, hadn't even, I had to look on my face. I hadn't even asked ha- a third of the question, like half the question. And he looked at me and he said, he said, what's not doing? He looked back and said, but I'll come back. He came back. He came back like 10 minutes, 15, he took a call, came back, and he gave me another like 20 minutes. Okay. Nice. And right. then I interviewed him for Sly. He gave me an hour. I nice. said, I need you for an hour. And then he gave me an hour. And, um, man, what a, just a, I can't say enough about Clive Davis, man. He's such a, just a nice guy, and I, I just like the guy. And he's, um, he's one of those people who's doing what he was born to do. And you know how you see people, like a lot of, sometimes you see, we, athletes are the best example. You see athletes, or even a recording star, or an actor, and they'll have an attitude, man. It'll seem like somebody's forcing them to do their job. No. Yep. Clive Davis, he looks, man, when I've seen him, he looks like he is so happy to mm. be doing this job. This great yeah. at eighty, what he's seventy something, eighty yeah. years old, and he's the man. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. He looks really. He really loves artists. He really loves music. Mm-hmm. And I think any time that we're we're blessed to be able to do something that we love, since most of us don't, you have to recognize the blessing. It's a blessing from God. And I, I you know, you know, I, I'm not doing everything I want, but it's enough. And I, I thank God. Every week, I thank God for the blessing, just to be able to to do something I love. Because you, you you know you you go out in the world and you see that most people aren't doing what they love. I think most people they die young or they get sick because they're not doing something they love. There's nothing in their life that's for them. It's all about paying the bills or taking care of the family or whatever. Yeah. And they're not and they get stressed and all that kind of stuff. But when you have something you love, I I find that people are happier. People when they do stuff that they love. Yes, that's right. True. Yeah. That. You're right about that. There's no doubt. And sometimes, man, if you gotta you gotta hit that nine to five, and you're like, I do not feel like going to work today. But mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. if this is something, you know, you're producing something, and you're like, oh man, I'm, you know, you're there early, you staying late, yep. not watching yep. the clock, you know. Right. If it's not done right, you want to do it again. You're not trying to just let it go. Right. Your name is on that. It, it, it's unbelievable, man. We we could talk to you for hours, man. You just enlighten the audience. One, I, I, and I'll do one final question. And I'll let Brett hit you. Mm-hmm. You had an opportunity uh, unsung to do, I believe, Denise Williams as well. Um, how was your experience with her? Oh, Denise is my heart. I love Denise. Denise and I knew each other. The reason I got that, that was my first unsung, was because... Uh, they were trying to do her, and they couldn't reach her. She was They were having trouble reaching her. And um, basically, I was told if I could get her to do it, I could do it. I wow. called her, and I called Denise right as soon as I walked out of my interview with uh, with the boss. And um, I called her and asked her if she watched that song. She said, Michael, she said, Michael I love that song. I love that show. And I said, um, would you like to be on it? She like, if you do it, I'll do it. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> because she knew me. Yeah, I did a play. I wrote a, I wrote a musical uh, like Mamma Mia. I wrote a play, and all the tunes in the play are Denise Williams' greatest hits. 
When Tatiana Ali from the Fresh Prince, she played the Denise Wayne's character. Mm-hmm. Sing, she could sing her butt off, you know. She sang all oh, yeah. those songs. Oh, yeah. It was eight years ago. And so Denise already knew me. She produced it with me. And and so because of that play, she kind of knew me, knew how I, how I worked. And so when I called her, you know, she was cool because it was me. She knew I'm not going to make you look crazy. I'm going to respect right. her. Right. And that's key. And I find that all these artists, they, they'll let you profile them, but they want to make sure that your intentions are right. You're not trying to make them look crazy. That if, Even mm-hmm. if you deal with difficult information, you'll deal with it fairly and in a balanced way. Mm-hmm. And you won't make that negative thing the whole story. Because sometimes... Right. Some of these news organizations, they'll do something on somebody, and they'll 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 magnify a negative like that's the person's whole life. Right. And in reality, you can make anybody look bad. I mean, Elvis Presley, he married a four. He he started dating a fourteen year old girl when he was twenty six. He was twenty six. She was fourteen. Mm-hmm. No one talks about that today. He'd be a ped- he'd be a pedophile back then. Mm-hmm. But no one uses that. You never even hear that mentioned, because. Whoever the media outlets, they want to make him look good. He's the king. He represents Americana. He's like, yes, you know. And so we have to be care. I feel we have to be careful with our heroes the same way. We can talk about the stuff that's not great if we want, but we don't have to make that. That's just one part of the person's life. That's not their whole life. And so the media can be guilty of that. I think that's why sometimes we'll see media images and we'll feel that, well, how come all these images are negative when it comes to people of color? And I find that it's not, it's, oftentimes it's not that they're telling the story, it's how, they're telling, how the media outlet is telling that story and the language that they're using to tell the story as opposed to someone that looks like them or, mm-hmm. or a white hero. It's all about language, and I, I see it every day. As a writer, as someone who's been writing professionally for thirty years, mm-hmm. I can read a pair. I can read your writing, tell so much about you, what your biases are, what you're for and against, who you're for in the story, just by the words you use, just by how you you construct your sentences. And so the media is unfortunately they always say we're impartial, but the media is rarely impartial. They always pick a side. Just like that's why oh, yeah. Fox News is always catching hell for being oh, so oh, conservative man. because of how, it's not what they're reporting, it's how they report it. Yeah. Right? It's, that's why yeah. they're always under attack. So the, the mm-hmm. same people that are indicting Fox News are the same, some of the same outlets that, when it comes to dealing with minorities, have a tendency to make just paint us in a certain light by the words, the language, how they do the story. You know, because it's going to make the viewer feel one way or the other. Either you're going to say, ah, okay, or hmm, I don't like those people, or I don't like that guy, mm-hmm. you know. So it's, it's all media, media manipulation. So true. But if I had right. one thing to say to your listeners, I would say um, that um, if you want to be in this business, it's a great business if if you uh, have the talent and the and the work ethic to do it. And um, if you um, are in it for the long haul, not just don't do it for the money, it's not worth it. Even if you make a lot of money, it's still not worth it to me. You got to do it because you love it. It's in your. It's really inside of you, and you have something to say. But you got to be in it for the good and the bad. I mean, sometimes it's, when it's great, it's great, and when it's not great, it's not great. But you can't um, jump it off the off the ship to the ocean and say, "I'm, I'm to hell with it. I'm just going to commit suicide because it's not going great." And uh, but if you can hang in there, this is where your heart is. Go for it. Learn as much as you can about the business, and um, and get. Get a get a, a good group of, of people around you, so you have a good network. And your network is also really important when when times are rough, because that's who you you call and you talk to each other. And you know, maybe that guy who's older than you, he's been through that before, and he'll give you some pearls of wisdom, like a Jim Brown has done for me. Mm-hmm. That helps you when you are going through difficult times. You know, that help you remember, hey, this old lion, this, this lion over here, he look at him, he's still rolling. Let me just, <laughs> you know, let me not do something drastic. Let me just ride it out the way. 
That's it. That's how you know. You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. So. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. You got what do you got, Brad? You got anything for Michael? Yeah. I mean, I've been I, I've been educated, and I love being educated. You know what I'm saying? Because they, I think I know it all, but I never know it all until I, I see it all, or hear it all. <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you coming on and. Um, that that uh, film festival. I would like. Do you have any information, like a website yeah, or yeah, yeah, the LA Web Fest. Yeah, if you want to know what's really going on, mm-hmm. just like rap music was 25 years ago. People yeah, because I have a writer friend it. out there in California. One of my Navy buddies. He's an inspiring writer, and I told him he was going to be on tonight, and I was going well, to make sure. If you want to be inspired, tell your buddy yeah. to come to the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Web Series Festival. Okay. The, the the call letters for the website are LA Web Fest. LA Web Fest dot mm-hmm. com. Okay. Okay. Go to LAWebFest.com. It tells you all about it. We're going to be, we started off in a little bitty theater, a, a little, appropriately since I started off in theater, a little playhouse okay. on Washington Boulevard and Hauser, Stage 52 and 99C Theater. And then from there, we grew. Now we're at the Radisson Hotel at the LAX, Radisson okay. Hotel LAX, right. beautiful theater for our second year. This is our fourth year of the festival, our mm-hmm. second year at the Radisson. And if you go to LAWebFest.com, uh-huh. Tells you all about it. It's a low cost event. It doesn't cost a lot of money. Okay. For 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 a little over a hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you can get your pass and go to everything. Okay. Th- okay. We just expanded this year. We expanded from Thursday to Sunday. We were Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now we're okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We have workshops, panels. We have screenings all day. We're screening from twelve noon to okay. twelve midnight. We screen twenty four uh, twelve hours a day. Because the whole purpose of the festival is for people to come and see these shows because most people have never seen a web series. Even people that work in the web series field, they don't watch a lot of web series. So the whole idea is to get people used to seeing these shows and see what people are making, not just in L.A. or New York, but different parts of the country, like Indiana and Missouri and, 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 and Minnesota and Chicago. I mean, they're making wonderful web series in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. and different parts of the country, but also different parts of the world, Italy, okay. France. Hong Kong, China, Spain, mm. the Dominican Republic, New Zealand, Australia. The Canadians are incredible, the shows that they're making. Mm. And they, you know, I mean, so it's, it gives you a chance to see these shows and to meet the people that are making them and be inspired. So when you go home, to, whether you're in L.A. or you're wherever in, in, in Louisiana, you go home inspired, you go home with the information, you go home with, with colleagues, people that you've met, that you keep in mm. touch with, so that you can now make your show, if it's in you, give it a shot. Make your show and see what you can do. Sounds good. Sounds good. That's good. LAWebFest.com. LAWebFest.com. And, Mike, before we let you go, what's what's up next for you? What's up next is what I'm doing, speaking of web series, is what I've done is I've taken my show, uh, my show who, my web series, and I'm I'm in the process of uh, adapting it into a, into a uh, half-hour comedy. We're going to make uh, nice. four to six of these, and we're going to find a home for them. Uh, for hopefully you'll see the show in 2013. All right. Well, that's that's, good. that's yeah. what I'm doing right now. Sounds good. I, I tell you, we don't have enough time. I know you have to run, but uh, we definitely want to have you back on. You're very inspirational, brother, and um, we love the positive vibe. So uh, that's what the show's all about. So we definitely want to loop back with you. Keep us well, keep thanks us for having me on, fellas. I'm so grateful yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, this to be on. the show. Corn, corn, I got to give corn. Cornbread love because he's the one who told me about the show and I yes, went to your sir. website. I checked you guys out, make sure Corn wasn't sending me on some, you know, but you know I had to throw you one to bed first. Some kind of, <laughs> I, I, I had to throw that one out there first so you could trust me. You know what I'm saying? I was waiting for that. You know I did, right? You know I did, like last year. <laughs> 
So, you know, a brother always got to throw a woman out to another brother so he can believe in him. <laughs> oh, yeah. But your I appreciate friend, it, though. Your friend Beverly. Yeah, I talked to yes, Beverly. Yes, uh, yes, Wonderful yes. singer. You know how I do. <laughs> yeah. Talented. Yes, young, yes, very talented. Yes, so I had to show my cards to you. <laughs> so I went to the site. I checked out the site. I listened yes. to a couple of shows. I like what yes. you guys were doing. Yes. And I said, oh, that's why I didn't say yeah right away. I did my homework yes. a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah, most definitely. Out, and then but I they said, say oh, in New York, we ain't scared. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. You know, and and I, when I you I believe like in yourself, you taught us something. You got you got to believe in yourself. And, 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 and when LC brought me on the show like three years ago, even though I was confident in, in in person, if you meet me in person, I'm the same confident person. So I had to project it either if I'm online, you know, on Facebook or whatever. I have to show my same personality wherever I go. You know what I'm saying? It's a, exactly. It, it taught me a while. It, it took me a while to figure it out, but I was able to express myself the way I am. Like I'm sitting here with LC, and now I have expressed myself on Facebook or any other medium that I'm on. You know what I'm saying? You get the same person regardless. What what limits us often is that we get limited because there's not enough of us behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be an actor or, or a performer. Yeah. But um but this is minds are shaped is it they're shaped by what we see, but more so by having forums like this where they can hear people talk, different people, not just the people that the powers that be say, Listen to those exactly. guys, let those guys talk but exactly. people that may not always get a forum to speak and, and say what maybe the status quo doesn't want you to hear. But I, I, I always tell people, man, that, you know, that we need more of this. We need, you know, we, we, we don't have to fight, worry about the Rush Limbaugh's and those guys if we have oh, yeah. more people who, who have our point of view, who yeah. have the other point of view, like you, like LC. And uh, so I think what you're doing is fantastic, man. I'm, yeah, I'm we appreciate it. And, and you know what, to to yourself and Jim Brown, I mean, I mean we've, we've had a lot of, a lot of famous and not famous people, because the name of the show is not famous, but obviously right. people like to, you know, say maybe they didn't know Michael, but now they know him. So yep. it, it's it's a great opportunity, and we, we like to spotlight individuals that are doing positive things. That's really the aim of the show. And, of course, we like to get the people that are, you know, that people can say, oh, yeah, you know what, that guy was on the show. And the credit, yep. this guy, Wow. You know, so yep. that's and uh, we usually don't have a problem getting people on the show. That's mm-hmm. usually not a hard thing. Once you know, like I said, they like, wow, but yeah, you guys are doing some good stuff. So mm-hmm. again, we appreciate the love, and uh, we definitely uh, keep us in the loop. I'll make sure um, we get uh, we get our contact information. I know you got bread. We'll get that out to you, yes, and uh, we'll definitely keep in contact so we can get the information out to the masses. So uh, we do that with all our guests. Thank you again, and. Um, uh, we hope to talk to you very soon. Yeah, maybe when our, when the show gets uh, gets a home, gets a network, we'll talk. I'll come back again to talk about that All process. Right. Oh, that sounds like a plan. It sounds like a plan. So, uh, Mike, uh, we will talk to you very shortly. For sure. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Us. Thank you, LC. Thank you, Corey. All right. Well, Brad, another unbelievable, fantastic interview. Wow. The Brad man on the case tracking down. I tell you, it was just um, go out and support this brother. He's doing it, and it's just really good to uh, get that knowledge out to our listeners. Uh, I guess, Brad, we're going to do some uh, quick shout-outs and birthdays. Why don't you uh, take it off before we wrap it up? Yeah, man, i got to give my man Eric McDaniel a big happy birthday shout-out on the West Coast. Yeah, he came to my 50th birthday party, so... uh, you know, that, that's my dude right there. 
Miss Carmen Santiago, happy birthday to you. Miss Rachel Haskins, my homegirl from Memphis, Tennessee, another Navy homeboy of mine, Mr. Rodney Pepsworth, Mr. Frank Zorn, also VP4 alum, Miss Extina, the business, Barry, happy birthday, girl, out there on the West Coast, Miss Lady Tay from Chicago, looking real good, Miss Tanisha Stewart, Latanya Hortonwriter. I hope I said your name right, baby dog, because, uh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's, a, that's a hard name to pronounce. Miss Atasia Hall. Happy birthday, homegirl out there in Milwaukee. Miss Tanya Dixon, president and CEO of Tandy Productions. want to give you a big, big birthday shout-out. I want to give a, uh, just a regular shout-out to my homegirl who's listening, Miss Tiffany Johnson. want to give you a shout-out. Miss Camille Moore and Natalie Silvera want to give you a big shout out. Also got to plug my man on GBM TV, Mr. Matlock, doing his thing. If you want to know what GBM stands for, it means generating business and money. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's all about. He's the one that shot my birthday bash and filmed it. And we're going to drop the uh, promo video tomorrow around 9 p.m. So y'all check it out on Facebook. Or what have you, we'll send you the link. It's going to get to where it's going to get. And last but not least, my homeboy, Complex, the rapper from Queens. He's doing a video shoot out there in uh, the BK. That's next Friday, October 12th, man. Video shoots. My man, Complex, going to be out in Coney Island on Surf and Stillwell Avenue. In the BK, that's Friday, October 12th. Come, come, bikers and ladies. You know, wear your hottest outfits. You know what I'm saying? Because it's gonna be uh, a hot video. Get there around 7 p.m. and uh, just tell a cornbread sent you. You know what I'm saying? And he'll hook you up, right? That's my man, Complex Video Shoot out in Coney Island, man. I want to see y'all out there. I might be down there too. You'll see. You can roll with it too. All right. Oh, it's all good. That's it. I guess the rest is wrapped the show. I just got a couple there, Brad. I don't have the list like you, man. You must have popped your lock. <laughs> all right. Uh, happy birthday to Jane Mead Harris. And happy birthday to a former guest of the show, Mr. Kelly G. All right. Laura Mead. Rosenberg. Happy birthday to you. And also Lady Tay. Yes, that is my short list for tonight. Happy birthday to all from the LC and Jack show. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you for supporting the show. It is growing like wildfire. So, yes, sir. Feel free to pass it on. Hit us up, LC and Jack at gmail.com, LC and Jack.com. Uh, we're all on Facebook, as you know, and also LinkedIn. So, we, we, we just got a little something on LinkedIn. But uh, definitely uh, continue to. Uh, Communicate to us, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Good night. Peace.